Good morning, Lighthouse. Congratulations, Philadelphia. Go Philly! That's as much as you get from me. I'm not a sore loser. We lost. Congratulations. Some of y'all still asleep, up late, watching the game. Wake up! Wake up. People say they went to bed at halftime. I get it. I get it. Wake up. Last week, we started the series on saying, on wake up, and it said, wake up with the truth. We are living lives that are full of lies. The society is telling us what truth is, and reality, absolute truth is what's in this book. This is absolute truth. And we saw how asleep the church is, that even within the church, there are in men and women that say they are Christians, but still don't really fully believe that everything in here is the Word of God. And that's sad to hear. And that's why we need to wake up, another reason to wake up. Today, part two, wake up, church. We need to, in order to wake up, we wake up in the truth, and we also need to awaken our faith. We need to awaken our faith. In America... We have, lost, uh, we have lost faith in a lot of things. We have lost faith in a lot of things, especially in these last several years. We've lost faith in a lot of things. We've seen uh, news uh, articles about, let's, let's use COVID as the example, right? One, it's, this is what they say about COVID, and then it changes to this, and then it changes to this. All we know is that we get sick. It's not good. Some people get term, you know, it could be fatal, right? And, and, Everyone had different types of opinions and things like that. We just lost faith in, in the system. Like, you know what? No one really knows exactly. We just know that it's not a good thing. America has, is losing optimism about the direction where our country is going. A couple years ago, ABC did a, a, a poll um, across America about optimism within the country. Are Americans uh, being optimistic about the future of this country? And the polls show that uh, optimism, optimism in the future of our country has dropped 20 points. I don't know what the starting points were, but whatever it was, it dropped 20 points. What it does is reflecting that about one-third of Americans are pessimistic about the future of our country. Now, closer to today, about 55% of Americans say that they are definitely not confident in the future of the direction of our country. These are not, this, this, this doesn't give me hope. Remember we talked about hope in, our, in one of the worship songs? I can't put my hope in this. We've lost faith in our government in general, as a whole, as a people. Today, the trust in the government remains low. Um, we, about one quarter, a quarter of Americans say that they believe that they can somewhat trust Washington, D.C. This, this these are, these are, these are their, their findings. And out of the quarter, about the 25% of the people that say they can somewhat trust D.C., there's no absolute trust here. 22% say most of the time, and two says just about always. So the question is, who do we trust? Who do we trust? Who do we put our faith in? The media? <laughs> the media? No matter which side you think is right, because this is not a, that kind of conversation, but no matter what side or what your media preferred outlet is, the, 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 the reality is that deep down inside, you know you still can't fully trust them. There's influence there. Someone with a lot of power and influence is directing the narrative. You def definitely can't trust social media. 
You guys know that, right? We got a lot of uh, rich Instagrammers that are broke, right? We got a lot of rich, yo, it's, it's funny when you see the stories of like the exposing, right? Like, oh, that was never your car. That was someone's car. Oh, you just rented that for the weekend. That's not your house. Things like that, right? You, see, you can't trust what you see on social media. So who, was that? They faking it. They ain't going to make it faking it like that. But that's what they're trying to do. That's right, Mike. So who do we trust? Who can we trust? Who do we put our faith in? Society, they turn to all the people that they see, right? So celebrities, movie stars. Maybe I can trust them. Maybe, maybe, maybe I can trust those infomercials that use famous people, you know? Uh, during, the, during the game yesterday, one of the commercials that, uh, that came on was, uh, I don't know what it was for, but it was John Cena dancing. Anybody saw that commercial? And I'm like, he must be going through some hard times. <laughs> whenever, you see John, whenever you see guys like John Cena doing some kind of like fruity type of dancing, um, like, uh, like a lot of colors, like music, it's, it's <laughs> he's going through some hard times. Do we trust uh, sports, athletes? These days, what it is is the influencers, what we mentioned in social media. Do we trust them, whatever they have to say, their opinions? Or do we trust the CEOs of these large businesses that have made a lot of money and so we figure, hey, they got a lot of money, we can just trust whatever they have to say? Who do we trust? Who do we put our faith in? Ourselves? I wouldn't go that route. That's not a good plan either. Either. Most, a lot of people have, are, have lost or are losing faith in their country. They're looking everywhere and anywhere to put in, in something to put their trust in. In this time, in these times, many people are questioning their faith. Have you, have you realized that? Have you seen that? People that maybe have been serving God. How many, how many famous uh, Christians within the last, I don't know, the last several years have gone public to say that they no longer, they no longer feel their same way. Their convictions have changed. It's been a handful, a handful of, of famous, well-known Christians, singers, uh, musicians that have decided to say, you know what, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus like like I thought I did. And that's sad. A lot of people are questioning their faith. They're questioning where they can put their trust in. And like I said, it's not just out in the world. It's here within the body of Christ as well. There are some people sitting here this morning right now that are still questioning many aspects of faith. They are still unsure. But is Jesus truly the Son of God? I mean, did he really die for me or is that just history? I mean, I get the Bible. It's cool and all, but it's, this might just be like, you know, it might just be like a book with some stories to make us feel better. They struggle. And if you look outside the doors, if you look in the, in, in, in your, on your, your screens, on your phones or tablets or laptops, you'll see that <laughs> all around us, it's evident the lack of faith that we see in our country. Just look around. People are turning away from the church. They're turning away from the Bible. And ultimately, they're turning away from God. The message is wake up. The message is wake up. Last week, we talked about we, un- we have to understand truth. We can't be awake until we know the truth. In order to be awake, we still we have to have faith. Faith. It seems so basic. It seems basic. Yet it's getting harder and harder. Oh, we're gonna start the timer now. It's getting harder and harder to find people that are professing faith in God. I remember my dad telling me that one of the things that he would have to go through back in the day when he would publicly profess God was to be called a holy roller or Bible thumper in school or in the neighborhood. 
If he would go out in the streets and he would preach and he would do these things and, and, and he, had, he said he had his little crew, that they would always be in the streets and they would preach and they would do things like that, right? They would get called like holy rollers, stuff like that. And then they would, people would just keep it going. It's not the same anymore. It's not just a quick little name that you're going to receive when you're profess, publicly professing your faith. These days, you publicly profess your faith and, faith, and all of a sudden, we're being pros, uh, persecuted. Persecuted because we are labeled non-tolerable for the things that the world has deemed right that the word tells me is wrong. And so because I stand for what is right and I profess my faith in the word of God, I am, I am labeled this, this, this evil person in the eyes of society. Oh, this is what's wrong with our country, people like you. We need to wake up. But like Solomon says in Ecclesiastics, right, there's nothing new under the sun. This is not new. When the disciples asked why they couldn't heal a boy, what did Jesus say? He said, so he's told the disciples they lacked faith to do it. Matthew 17, 20 says you don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith even as a small mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. We, are we living lives where we feel that nothing can be impossible for God? Or are we putting limitations on him because it's impossible for us? Many times we, we stop because we're like, no, nah, it's impossible. I can never do that. Guess what? You're right. You can never do that. But God can. And what's happening is the church needs to wake up because for many, many years, what's happening is we're seeing things through our eyes. And we're not waking up the faith within us to move the mountains that God wants to move. We wonder why the church isn't seeing the power that the church once had. Come on. I, I say this before, I'm just tired of hearing what God has done in the past within the churches. Now, we have seen miracles here at Lighthouse, and I praise God for that, right? But I, I'm tired of hearing a movement of God that once existed in a different era. Why can't we experience revival the way that, that, they, that they have in the past? What's holding us back from experiencing that? Our lack of faith. Our lack of faith. There are plenty of stories in the Bible that show us examples of what it means to have faith, right? Just in, in, in that same chapter, right, the, the, the father of that boy, that they, that, the father of that boy that, 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 that brought his son to Jesus, the epileptic child's father, his faith... For, his, for the healing of his son caused healing for his son. It was his faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is, is, is called what? Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. And listed there are stories, of, of, of the names of everyone who showed exemplary faith in their lives. We see Abel bringing a better sacrifice, right? In faith, we see Enoch who walked with God. We see that Noah built a ship, an ark, this huge vessel in preparation for rain that would flood the earth. Noah, yes, God, I want you to build an ark. Okay, what's an ark? It's a really, really big boat. Okay, how big do you want it? This is what I want. Okay, why? Am I building this boat? Because it's going to rain and I'm going to send a flood. Okay. Wait, what's rain? It had never rained. Here is a man that hears the voice of God who's told to build this massive ship because water is going to fall from the sky 
See, for us, like it rains all the time. It never happened. But yet his faith in God, in the voice of God, it didn't matter if it made sense or not. And we're living in a time where it's about science and logic. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense, so it's not for me. Faith won't make sense. And the church, many times, we need to wake up because we're doing things that only make sense. And I I told you guys, this, this series is for us to wake up and starting with me. Because many times, as I'm praying and I'm planning, I'm planning things that make sense. I'm planning things that I know we can do. And God's like, well, you don't think I can do that? Yeah, God, but we need to awaken our faith. Built a ship. It never even rained. Then he's got to tell people a flood is coming. What's a flood? It's going to be a lot of water and we're all going to die. It's going to be falling from the sky. Falling from the sky, yo, you've lost it. You've lost, your marbles are all over the place. Can you imagine? Abraham followed God into a foreign land. He didn't know where he was going. He'd never been there, but God told him to do it. And think about Abraham. Abraham didn't come from, you know, like a God-fearing family. Abraham's family, they were idol makers, pagan idol makers. And here is Abraham, who all his life has only known pagan idols being made in his household. And then he hears the voice of God telling him to do this, and he moves on it. That's faith. Abraham, again, prepares a sacrifice because God told him. And you know what his sacrifice was? His son. How many of us, look, look at your son. Look at my grandson. How many of us would take our child, walk with our child up the mountain? We got everything we need. We got the knife. We got the little stones to start the fire. We got the rope. We got everything we need for a sacrifice, but we have no animal. We have no lamb. We have no ram. We, have, we just have our, our son. He tells his servant, stay here. You ain't got to see what's about to happen. Because God told me to sacrifice my son. It doesn't make sense. Why would God even ask you to do that? And here he is. His son is there. His son's on there. He's got the knife. He's about to sacrifice his son out of obedience. Doesn't make sense. And God stops him. You pass the test. Don't worry about that. Matter of fact, here's a ram. Here's a ram right there. Use that. Come on. I, I don't know. That, that's, that's a whole another level of faith. That's a whole nother level of faith. Man, Moses found his roots and was God's leader. The same guy that was like, I can't can't speak, speak in front of people. That was Moses. And he led, and he led the people out of Egypt. And he set them free from slavery. <laughs> the Israelites, when, when, they, when, when they got, to the, when they got to, the, to the Red Sea, right, and, and, and it split open, um, I'm sorry, do you know it takes faith to walk through that, right? <laughs> I mean, here you are standing, the waters part, they have these walls of water on each side, the, gro- the, dr- the ground is dry, but you need faith to walk through that because you don't know if those waters are going to come back down while you're walking? How many of y'all would have walked through that? Okay, let me, let me remind you, the, the Egyptians are on their way. They're right behind you. I think maybe that might be a little incentive. That must have been their incentive because I know a lot of people at that moment are like, wait, we got to walk through this? Um, you can stay here. I'm walking through this. The Egyptians are right behind us. 
It's time to wake up. It was faith that healed. It was faith that delivered. It was faith that rewarded. Those people who placed their faith in God above anything else. And that's where we need to wake up because many times we have faith in God, but we don't place our faith in God above everything else. There's so many things that right now we need to change the priority in our lives because God is not number one. And then we wonder why we're not seeing the things that we know God is capable of doing. But God, I have faith. No, you have faith, but it's not above everything else. And then you wonder why we're in a slump. We wonder why we're still, we can't move forward in, 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 our, in, our, in our minds. We can't move forward in our walk. We can't move forward in life. We feel like we're stuck and trapped. We cannot serve God without faith. You can show up on a Sunday. You can show up on a Bible study. You can show up at any time. You can sing the song. You can listen to me talk. But you cannot serve God without faith. One thing is to be here, and one thing is to serve him. Are you serving God? Are you serving him? I want to read the passage of this series found in Romans chapter 13, verse 11 to 14. It says, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. The time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. I'm going to say that again. The day of salvation will soon be here. The day of salvation will soon be here. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Are we living right? Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Do not participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness and in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge evil desires. Don't even let yourself think. When you start thinking about doing something, you should just be like, yo, shake it off. Church, it's time to wake up. It's time that each and every one of you are beacons of light. How we go to Lighthouse Family Center, but we not be in the light? I'm just, I'm just saying. We need to be beacons of light. Everywhere we go, we should be shining Jesus. So, so, um, it's good that we have the answer, right? The answer is Jesus, right? That's what the world is looking for. That's what the world needs is Jesus. We have it, right? Today, I want to take a look at a couple points. How do we awaken our faith? How do we awaken our faith? Can I start with one that... It's easy to say, but in these days has been difficult for people to fully commit to. First thing is, we need to be with other Christians. Ooh, I don't know about all that, Pastor. Christians are just so boring. Christians are boring because me and my crew like to turn up. You don't understand. (sighs) Yes, we need to be going to church. We need to be going to church. Going to uh, church, we need to be going to fellowship gatherings. We need to be around each other. We were created for community. You understand that? We were created for community. This concept of me, myself, and I is not a godly concept. We were created for community. We see that all the way back in Genesis. If we were created for me, myself, and I, 
it still would be Adam to this day in the garden by himself. Bunch of animals. That's what it'd be. If it was about me, myself, and I. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We just said the day of salvation, I mean, salvation is, you know, the day of his return is, is nearer and nearer every day. Let's not neglect meeting together. It says, think of ways to motivate one another. How can I motivate you if I decide to lock myself in my house and never come out? How could me, let's say I need to be motivated. How can I ever be motivated if everyone else around me is locking themselves in their house? Or deciding that they want to be by themselves, they want to be alone. Thinking of ways to motivate each other. Not thinking of ways to isolate from one another. Let us not neglect meeting together. You know what COVID has done? It's allowed us to advance in this, tech, in, this, in this technical world where we can stream this. People are watching right now. Um, there are people that can't physically come to a building. And what then the good things about streaming services is that now, if you can't physically come to the house of God, you don't miss what's happening within your church. But even so, you are not getting, you are not getting the, the, the experience of being with your brothers and sisters when you watch it through a TV. You miss out on that. So you can watch, you can listen, you can, you can hear the music and then the word, but you don't have the opportunity to be motivated or encouraged by what's happening here within the body of Christ. I believe that part of the loss of faith that our world is seeing today is stemmed through a loss of fellowship. A loss of, uh, of community, right? Healthy community. We see that during this pandemic that we experienced, that everything shut down, that people were at home and we couldn't leave and we, everything. Do you know the record high numbers for depression? Record high numbers, suicide, anxiety, you know, hopelessness. People that were just like, why am I here? Why do I exist? There's no purpose for my life. So many people struggled with that because community was taken away from their life. We've got our faces too focused these days on devices on screens. You know what gets me? <laughs> Some people can communicate so well on a screen. And when you finally see them in person, they got nothing to say. They got nothing to say. Like, how are you, how you so busy talking, but then I, I'm seeing you in person, we got nothing to talk about. People are becoming um, antisocial. They don't know, and, and not only antisocial, but just like socially awkward. Socially awkward, like people just don't know how to hang out with other people. Uh, what do we do? I don't know. <laughs> I'll text you. <laughs> Being together makes a difference. We need to be together. We need to be together. We need to come to church even if there are some weird laws that exist throughout this country about church attendance, which I want to share with you. Just take a, Let's take a break real quick. Let me show you something. These are, real, these are real laws that exist. In Wheeler, Mississippi, Wheeler, I've never been there, but a young girl is never allowed to walk a tightrope unless she's inside a church. That's a law. In Blackwater, Kentucky, in, in, Black, in Blackwater, Kentucky, tickling a woman under her chin with a feather duster 
while she's in church, carries a penalty of $10 and one day in jail. <laughs> These had to be problems, right? In, <laughs> in Honey Creek, Iowa, no one is permitted to carry a slingshot inside a church except the police. In Lee Creek, Arkansas, no one's allowed to attend church in a red color garment. No one's allowed to swing a yo-yo in church or anywhere public on the Sabbath in Studley, Virginia. And this was going to disappoint some of you because I know a lot of you were looking forward to doing this, but turtle races are not permitted within 100 yards of any local church in Slaughter, Louisiana. So, Caesar, I know you had planned a trip to do a turtle race down in Slaughter. I know, I know, we can't do it. It's illegal. It's illegal. Although those laws exist, it shouldn't stop us from coming to church. There's question of, the, the, but do I got to go to church? I mean, I'm a Christian. Do I have to go to church? Do I need to go to church to worship God? I mean, can, can, I, can I be a Christian without joining the church or attending church? I mean, I mean, I hear that all the time. And especially now that they can be a member of 15 churches in one Sunday. You know, because, you know, the thing is, why should I commit to something? Because, you know, since I have commitment issues in the first place. Since I have commitment issues in the first place, let me just watch 10 different services from 10 different churches, and that way I can say, you know, no one's going to tell me that I'm doing wrong because I'm home in my bed doing whatever I want to do, not building relationships, not letting anyone into my life. Because the second I let someone into my life and they see the blemishes that are in my life, because they love me, they're going to tell me what's wrong. But you know what? I don't want no one to love me, and I don't want to know what's wrong. I want to keep living in my own sin and heading toward destruction. That is the majority out there right now. Can I be a Christian without joining the church? Someone, somebody, answered this question and says, Sure. Of course it's possible to be a Christian and not attend the church. It's just like being a student who doesn't go to school. It's just like a so being a soldier who doesn't belong to an army. It's just like being a citizen who doesn't pay taxes or votes. It's just like being a salesman with no customers. It's just like being an explorer with no base camp. It's just like a seaman on a ship with no crew. It's just like a businessman who's deserted on an island. It's like an author without readers, a football player without a team, a scientist who doesn't share his finding, a bee without a beehive. Why do we go to church? Why should we be in fellowship with one another? It benefits us <laughs> with spiritual stability and growth. Coming to church is far more than being entertained with music and a, and a word from God. It's more than that, right? As we've seen over the last several years, we've been able to do that online, right? We've been able to entertain those that are entertained by it with worship through the internet and the word of God through the internet. So it's, it's more than that. Coming to church right? The purpose is assembling, right? To assemble, to participate in worship and praise to our God together. Let's do this together. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a funny example. Well, I don't know if it's funny or not. A simple example. If in my youth, I would have been watching church online all the time, I would have probably never raised my hand in worship before I started doing that. 
right? But being in, the, in a church building with brothers and sisters that are lifting their hands, praising God, worshiping God, and me being a witness to the power of God right before my eyes, I'm like, yo, I want that. I want that. I want what that person is feeling. I want what that person is experiencing. Yo, that, I, want what, I want what God is doing in their life. I want it in mine. So guess what? I'm going to lift my hands too, and I'm going to shout, and I'm going to lift my voice, and I'm going to seek God the way that that person is seeking God because I want to experience the God that they're experiencing. None of that would have happened over a screen. Being in church renews our faith. Because we notice that we're not alone. You know how many stories you guys all have, the things that you're going through, the struggles. Mark opened up this morning with a personal struggle of his. And guess what? He's not alone. There's a handful of us that are currently struggling with our occupations, with our careers, things like that. And so what happens is you're like, oh, wait, Brother Mark is going through some of that? I, I feel the same way. I'm not alone in this. Wait a minute, wait, you went through that and you got through that? How did you get through that? I trusted God, I I, I sought him, I I was, you know what, I put my faith and my hope and my trust, and you know what, I let him take control and this is what he did in my life. That you know what, maybe I should do that too. We gain encouragement from one another when we hear the stories of modern day victories. What are modern day victories called? Testimonies. I'm bugging you guys. I want to hear some testimonies. Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Hearing testimonies of others remind us that God is working every day in our lives and in others. The second thing we need to do is we need to actually read the Bible. We need to actually read the Bible. When I was in the Marine Corps, we had um, binders, like big manuals for every piece of equipment that we worked on. I worked on helicopters. I worked on the armament systems. And this rocket, this type of rocket launcher had this booklet on it. This type of missile had this booklet on it. This uh, bomb rack had this. uh, I mean, I'm talking about like this is nothing compared to the manuals that we had to read. They were like that thick. The thing is this, we didn't memorize them. We didn't memorize them, but we visited them frequently enough to know that when this part broke, I know exactly where to look to then fix this. What happens is when we visit this frequently enough, when something in your life happens to break, You can go back to the book, and you know exactly where you can gain your encouragement from. It's it's almost so simple, but it's not. The Bible is the source of all things about God. The Bible is God's very word sent down to us. The Bible is his instruction manual for life. It's got everything in here. Everything. Everything. It's the source of truth. We talked about that last week. If you read this, you know truth. If you know truth, then you can spot the lies. And I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy is on the move. I don't know if it's just me, if it's just during this time of fasting. Oh, one more week. One more week. One more week, church, of fasting and praying. Um, I don't know if it's just this time of fasting, but I have seen an increase in, I want to, I just want to straight up say demonic lies that are affecting so many of you here in the church this week, the last couple of weeks. The devil is a liar. Rebuke it, reject it, send it back down to hell where it came from. Dig yourself into the truth so that you can identify the lies. Not everything that sounds good is God. You understand that? Yo, the world will make things sound good. People, even within the church, will make things sound good. If it's not God, you don't need it.
Okay, well, it says everything in there. What does the Bible say about iPhone versus Android? <laughs> well, it doesn't say cell phone. It doesn't say mobile device. It don't say it does. Well, it does. No, don't. It, don't say, it doesn't say uh, Android. It does say not to bite of the, you know, not to take a bite of the fruit. <laughs> it does say that. I mean, if you guys want to rep the the forbidden fruit, <laughs> then so be it. It also <laughs> But you know what the Bible does say? The Bible does show us how we should behave when using our cell phones. The Bible d- does say what we should be looking at and what we shouldn't be looking at. The Bible does guide us what we should, how we should treat each other, right? That's what the Bible does say. The Bible is timeless, and people forget about this. So guess what we should be doing? We should be studying and learning God's word. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We, are, we need to awaken the faith in our life. Awaken the faith. We need to be committed. How many of you guys know one Bible verse memorized? Not as much as before. And it's okay. It's all right. But did you know, did you know that back when I was little, we're younger, because I'm still a lot shorter than some of you, right? Not too long ago. <laughs> One of the things that we learned in church was all the kids would have to learn Bible, Bible verses. We had to memorize them, you know? You know, um, there's something about knowing the Word of God in you. I was raking the leaves the other day in, in my house, and my daughter was helping, helping me. She was jumping in the pile after I'm trying to make the pile of leaves. She's jumping in it, right? Finally, here I am. We fill this, ba- this bag up, and I'm like, all right, help me pull it. And so I'm trying to, like, let her do all the heavy work pulling. And she's like, man, this is heavy. Daddy, remember the story in the Bible where Jesus tells them to cast the net on the other side of the boat, but it was so heavy that it almost knocked the boat out? It's like that. And I stopped. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, I love you so much. <laughs> I mean, but do you see that, but that doesn't happen overnight. It's taught, right? It's taught here in children's church. That's why we say don't leave your kids home. Bring them. Bring your children to children's church. That's why we say um, read the stories with kids. Listen, if you don't know too much of the Bible, they got awesome books to read to kids that you will learn Bible stories by reading them to your kids. It's, it's, it's the best way. That's one of the ways Rachel learned all, a lot of her Bible stories. Rachel's testimony was that she got saved and she just wanted to help. She loved kids. And we're like, well, learn this Bible story and then teach the kids. And she would learn the Bible story and then teach the kids. We need to look in the word of God where we can see where people put their faith in God and what God did. As a matter of fact, I also challenge you to look at the stories in the Bible where people did not place their faith in God and see what God did. Hebrews 11.6 says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone, can you say impossible? impossible. To please God without faith. How many of us want to please God? Like we, I mean, I think I want, I want to please God. And it says, I can never please him without faith. Anyone who comes to him must rest, uh, comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The third thing, third thing, is we need to get rid of the negative in our lives. I was going to say, well, negative people is one. But period, we got to get rid of the negative. How many of us know some negative people? We got to get rid of negative in our lives. If you are a negative person and you're sitting here, I don't want to get rid of you. I just want to get rid of the negativity that's in you. Okay? There was a restaurant here in Philly. I tried to Google it over and over again. I can't find it. Either they changed their name or they went out of business. But it was called Dardanelles or something, Dardanelles. Um, It was a small restaurant. It was 32, a 32-seat 32 restaurant, but they weren't famous for their food. They were famous for a sign that they had in the window. Remember when Geno's was like, don't, you don't speak English, we won't serve you? Remember when Geno's did that? 
what this restaurant decided to do is we, re we reserve the right to refuse service to those with bad attitudes or negative attitudes. That's what they had on the sign. And, it, and they got famous because they said they would not serve um, negative people. And what they sought to be negative, and this is, what they, this is when they were asked and interviewed, they said anyone who smokes, anyone who's rude, anyone who demands food in a hurry, anyone who wants us to turn the music down, and, and they were like, all these people are negative to us. This was their opinion of negative. They said there's two people you don't disrespect, the people that heal you and the people that feed you. Negative people will suck the life out of you. Negative people will drain you of all your energy. Come on. You ever been in a room where everybody's being negative and you're usually not negative and then you leave that room and you like start talking negative? You're like, wait, that's not me. You'd be like, not, I'm not like that. But what happens is you just, you were surrounded by that. And if you continue to surround yourself with that, that's what you become. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. The thing is, you know, especially when you're trying to be, you know, uh, aware of things, you're, sur you're surrounded by negative people. You're like, that's not going to be mean. That's not going to be mean. That's not going to be you. Your, your energy and your focus becomes on not being negative that you can't focus on your faith. Philippians 4.8 says, and now, dear sisters, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This verse right here, whenever you find yourself being negative or thinking negative, it, first of all, if you are a negative person, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But if you're a negative person, I want you to go home. This is homework. This is homework. Go home. Print this verse out 10 times. Put one on the fridge. Put one in, um, in your car. Put one in the, by, the, by the TV. Put one by, in, in the bedroom. Put one by the mirror. Put, and one in the bathroom. Put it all over the place. Put one in your office. Read it over and over and over again. Allow God to change and heal your mind. Once we've made the decision to do some house cleaning in our lives and we remove the negativity, right? Once you remove people that are holding you down, come on. People are like, oh, but that's so harsh, Pastor. How are you going to say cut people out of your life? If you were drowning in water and the person next to you is also drowning in water and they grab onto you and they pulling you under, how many of y'all going to be like, ah, get off of me. Get off, Right? Because you're already struggling to stay up yourself. The last thing you need is somebody pulling you under the water. I'm sorry, as much as you love the person, as much as you've been, go back like Cracker Jacks, there's something that, that, that's within us is like that survival instinct, right? Survival instinct kicks in and you're like, either we both going to die or I can try to live. Get off of me. You guys need to have that same mentality. Listen, you need to let go of some of the baggage that is pulling you down. Because if not, if not, it will kill you spiritually. Now, if you married and your spouse is not a Christian, you do not have the excuse to try to get a divorce and say, oh, they're holding me down. No, no, that's different. That's different. That's different. That does not apply, okay? Because you know why? Because when you got married, you were no longer two, but you are... All right, all right, all right. That's it. In that case, y'all both drowning, all right? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not true. Keep praying, keep praying, keep trusting, and God, God will. You will see God's hand. Lastly, lastly, um, <laughs> lastly, we need to talk to God. We need to talk to God. We need to talk to God. These are four signs that show we have a healthy relationship, right, with a strong faith. In Acts chapter 2, verse 
42 says, all believers devoted themselves, so devoted believers, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the, the, the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So there's four things that we see here. We see hungry for God's word. We see um, a desire to be involved with Christian fellowship. We see a, uh, observing communion, right? We see uh, devoted to prayer. If you're sitting here and you don't like to pray or, you know, you don't see communion as anything important or you don't want to be hanging out with other Christians or you don't really have a desire for the word of God, then you're not in a healthy place. You're not in a healthy place. And this is what this whole series is about, is about waking up. I mentioned last week that you don't know you're asleep until you wake up. Remember the head bob, right? You're sleeping, you're sleeping, you don't know. The second your head, oh, I was sleeping. We don't know you're asleep until you wake up. <laughs> if the church is too busy to pray, there will be a lot of activity and little accomplishments. You have a lot of services and very few people coming to Christ. A lot of programs, but no lives being changed. That's why prayer is important. Speaking of prayer, uh, this is our final week of fasting and praying. We have prayer every Tuesday night. Um, this week, um, Brother Al is here on Wednesday night and Friday night. Uh, for Wednesday and Friday from 6 to 7, and on Saturday from 11 to 12. Just for the rest of this week, if anyone wants to join him, they can't make Tuesday, but they also want to be here, or maybe you want to come a couple times, he's, uh, he's opening and he's going to be here praying, if anyone wants to join him. Without prayer, without prayer, the church has no power. Without prayer, the church remains asleep. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, Colossians 4.2. Be faithful in prayer, Romans 12.12. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer, Ephesians 6.18. And there and there's, is God's promise about prayer, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How is your prayer life? The strength of your prayer life is an indication of your faith. In closing, in closing, this morning we need to awaken our faith, church. We've outlined ways to strengthen, to rekindle faith. Um, it takes focus. It takes effort. It takes dedication. But once we commit to putting our faith and trust in God, then we need to begin to living out that faith. It's when we live out the faith that we know about is when we've been awakened. Are we walking and living in faith? Or are you just, do you just know about it? You know, in the stress and the rush of our lives, it can be a challenge. We got so much going on. Sometimes we're like, yo, he's not, he's not with me. He's not here. He's not in this situation. The devil, first of all, the devil's a liar, and he, would, and he loves to put that in our mind. Oh, he don't love you. Oh, you done messed up. Forget it now. Don't bother going back to church. That's the big one. That's the big one that, that I remember hearing because, you know, I, got, I grew up in church. And then when I, would, when, I would, when I was not living the way God wanted me to live, I would hear the devil's voice all the time like, you're such a hypocrite. Why even bother going when you know you're not living right? Because you know you're wrong. You know what you did was bad. You know, you're not, you know you're not desiring the right things. You shouldn't even go. You shouldn't even go. You shouldn't even be around. We can't give up on God. He is with us. He, he, through the bad times, through the good times, he's around. The Bible says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's here. Whatever we're going through, he knows we're going through it. We can't give up on God when we don't see things going our way. We can't. You know, the real test of faith isn't believing. The real test of faith isn't just believing that we serve a God that does miracles. But continuing to believe that he is good when you don't see the miracle. 
I'm going to say that one more time. The real test of our faith is not just believing that we serve a God of miracles, but it's continuing to believe that he is good even when we don't see it. That is faith. Church, can you stand to your feet this morning? Prayer team, can you make your way to the front, please? This is a real struggle. This is a real struggle, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'll be the first one to say in front of you all, Lord, I need more faith. I need more. I need more faith. I limit sometimes the, 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 the future based on my own capabilities. I plan, I, 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 I arrange things, I do things or plan to do things that I know that I can do. And I need more faith. I know you're a powerful God. I know you do miracles. I know you do all these things. But I need more faith because sometimes I still doubt. How many people feel that way? Today, what I want to do is I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you this morning because you know what? God wants to awaken us in faith. He wants to move in a powerful way. He wants us to experience uh, supernatural things that only he can take credit for and receive all the glory and honor. He wants to do these things in your lives. But it starts with faith. Do you have faith in a powerful God? Do you have faith in a God that loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and for me? He knew we were sinners. He knew we were a mess. He knew that our lives would take us straight to eternal death. And he could not allow that. He loved us too much. And he said, you know what? I can't let them perish. And he sent Jesus Christ to die for the sins that you and I have done. He took upon those sins with him. But when he rose from the dead three days later, he conquered death. And it's through Jesus Christ that we now have access to the Father. And it's through him that we can be saved. Some of us are sitting here. Have we accepted Christ into our hearts? Have we said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. But I need you in my life. If you haven't said that prayer, if you haven't done that, we want to pray with you this morning. And if you come up for prayer, please let the person praying for you that that's what you want to do. You want to accept Christ today. That's one of the altar calls that we're doing today. But the second is faith. Some of us have already accepted Christ. Some of us, we, we know that Jesus is the Son of God. We know he, he died for our sins and we said, come into my life. But, but, but there's been a pause in our walk with God. Some of us have gotten to a certain level and have kind of planed out where we're not moving forward anymore. And a lot of that is due to a lack of faith or perhaps not really trusting God in the way that we need to. We sang earlier today about putting all our hope and trust in Jesus. Some of us accepted Jesus and are struggling to do that very thing. We want to pray with you this morning. Don't leave here today without allowing us to pray with you. There's nothing to be ashamed about or embarrassed about saying, I want more of God. There's nothing wrong about saying, I need an increase in my faith. I need my faith increased. The Bible says that I have faith just like a mustard seed, but sometimes, Lord, I, I, my doubt, I don't, I don't even know if I have a mustard seed of faith in certain situations in my life. It looks too bad. It's, it, it's, it's too far gone. 
I don't know if I can, I don't know if you can heal this. There's been too much hurt already in my life. I've done too much wrong already in my life. No one can love me after this. No one can, no one would desire me after this. You know, my, my life can't be corrected after this. I want to pray with you this morning. 